Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast channel that puts members on mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Featured in this session, Race Across America, Nutrition to Go the Distance, is Mark Gibson, Principal of Advisory Services for Ernst & Young. So, uh, so last year at the Biosed, I was the world 12-hour champion. So that's how far you can ride a bicycle in 12 hours. This year, I entered the Blue Ribbon event, which is the 24-hour. So the 12-hour is usually a stepping stone to the 24-hour race. That happened this Saturday. And as you can see, I came sixth in the world. Assume you may know Fabio Silvestri. Fabio won the bronze medal at the Rio Olympics for road racing. Uh, Martin, the guy who won this, uh, is probably going to win a number of major races, former Tour de France racer, most people have known that. But the best person on that list is Marco Ballo. Marco Ballo holds 21 world records, former triple gold medal winner at the Olympics, and possibly the best aged athlete in the world. And what this is all about is aged athletes. So what has happened is baby boomers have come to the end or the middle of their careers, and they've decided to take on something different. So why did I do that? Well, a number of reasons. The number one reason I did this is because my doctor told me I had to. So I'm diabetic. I have heart disease. I weigh 228 pounds, and I'm six feet tall. Okay? I had fairly dysfunctional liver and kidney problems. And uh, my doctor said my lifestyle was probably going to kill me within 10 years. This was three years ago. He said, I suggest you start by losing 10 pounds. Uh, take up a sport, something low impact. How about cycling? So I had a bike. I'd ridden about 30 miles total on that bike. So I dusted it off and decided to ride a little bit. I got hooked. So this is what happened. So I went from being a couch potato, and I was really, really good as a couch potato, by the way. I thought that going from the couch to the fridge was quite a journey. So I was really good at that. Many, many, many client dinners with many bottles of very good wine. Many exciting moments with steak. That was my life. But that doctor's moment was pretty important. So what I decided to do is get my act together. But I also needed something else. I needed a purpose to do that. It wasn't just about my health. It needed to be much more than that. So there were two other things that were going on in my life. I was talking to my boss about my future career progression. Come to the conclusion I've really probably reached the pinnacle in my career. So now I needed to find something else to put my energy into. And in EY, we talk about legacy a lot. So we talk about bringing people through, encouraging them, making them then our replacement and somebody pay my pension in the future. So that's a big part of being at EY. The other big part of being at EY that I've never really done very much of is charity, community, giving back. So my boss encouraged me to look at those two things as an outlet for my energy, bringing somebody through to be my replacement and then 
working for a charity. And he suggested a charity that was close to my own heart. And I didn't really know much about that. I have a military background, so I thought about wounded warriors and things like that. He said, look around and find one. So I thought about my own life journey. I left school at 16, no qualifications, went in the army, uh, infantry support in the army, jumping out of airplanes, doing all that crazy stuff, uh, Cold War warrior type stuff. That was a really great foundation for me and really gave me the kick up the backside I needed. So then I went to college afterwards. I was very fortunate to have been sponsored by the army to go to college. My career really took off. I found actually I was quite good at college where I was bad in high school. I'd also matured a lot. I also have a touch of dyslexia and a lot, in case you haven't figured it out, because I'm not very good with eye contact, I have a lot of autism. So I have a, a lot of challenges that really the army helped me overcome. So I wanted to look into something that would be part of my life journey. Education was really the way I was able to break free. Education is what gave me the background. So I decided to then raise money for College Map. So what College Map does, it works with 36 disadvantaged schools throughout the United States, finding highly disadvantaged students with similar backgrounds to my own, okay, come from relatively underprivileged backgrounds, but who could be successful, encourages them through high school and then through college to graduate. We have a 100% graduation rate from our program today. Over a thousand students are being through it. It's incredibly expensive because we do one-on-one -on -one mentoring. So I needed to raise $2 million for this charity. So I said, okay, how do I do that? I've got to get fit, I've got to raise $2 million, and I've got to encourage this with my team. So teamwork's a big part of it. So I decided to take up this crazy sport called ultra racing. Ultra racing is how far can you ride in a set period, or how, far, how fast can you cross continents? So the most famous is Ram, Race Across America, and if you come to my 345 presentation, you'll see about the Race Across America that I did this year. That's 3,079 miles in no more than 12 days, completely alone. Okay, so if you come to the 345, I've got a show on that. But you've got to get there. The hardest part of Ram is getting to the start, especially when you're 228 pounds, where you get out of breath getting out of the chair. Okay, so this is how I did it. Immediately, I lost 50 pounds. How did I do that? First thing I did was stop drinking. Okay, I've had three glasses of wine in two years. Okay, of which two, I didn't drink. I just stopped. That's really hard when you're a business person, actually. But it makes a great conversation at the dinner table. You order a bottle of wine for your customer, or customers, not many people drink a bottle of wine on their own today, okay? And then you don't drink. And they ask you why. And you get into this story of how you can change your life if you have a purpose. Because in case you haven't figured it out, it's not about health. It's not about you. It's about the purpose. Because if you just try and lose 50 pounds for you, you won't do it. But when I got involved with the charity, once I started to see where this college map money would go, once I got involved with the racing, then I was able to do it. I almost immediately lost 50 pounds. Plus for the cyclists in the room, so I had a fairly pedestrian FTP, functional threshold power. That is the measure of your cycling ability. It's a number that you cannot really 
you can change it, but it's a mark of how good you are. 258 is not very good. Okay, it's okay. Not bad. My field 2 max was 50. Lance Armstrong's was 92. Okay? Within a year, I'd lost 50 pounds. I'd moved my FTP up to 328, which puts me in the top 1% of the entire world. My VO max to 64, which puts me in the top 0.001% of the world. There are less than 50,000 people with a VO max higher than me anywhere in the world. Remember, I'm a diabetic with heart disease. Two years later, I've done this. I had a trainer, had a nutritionist, had amazing support. But most of all, it's purpose. If you have a purpose for doing this, you can do it. If you just try and do that tomorrow for yourself, you won't do it. You need a purpose. So, a little bit of the journey. So 2015, I go to the doctor, doctor says, hurry up, you're going to die, fix it. Okay, 2015, almost exactly the same time, my boss says, what are you going to do next? Almost the exact same time. Life-changing moment. Searching the internet one day, I found this sport, ultra-distance cycling. It's the least publicized sport in the whole world, with some of the best athletes in the entire world. Certainly some of the fittest. So that really, I like that. It's also a sport that you can compete at through your entire age group. So I compete on a level playing ground with 20-year-olds. Why? Because after about 14 to 18 hours of racing, it's about brain, not brawn. After five days of racing, it's entirely about your crew and your willingness to go through pain. Because the other thing that's great about this sport is there is nothing more painful. You race for 24 hours a day without stopping. In the race I showed you, I stopped for a total of 18 minutes in 24 hours. You just push yourself through it. You take lots of caffeine and you have lots of friends to help you. The human mind can overcome almost anything if you have a purpose. Because every mile I race, my sponsors give $30 to my charity, $30, every mile. On Saturday, I did 470 miles. It's money in the bank for my purpose. That's how I think about these things. So 2016, entered the team RAM. So that's Race Across America, but a four-man team. So you're doing a quarter of the distance. It's a relay. Okay, you do 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off sprinting as hard as you possibly can go. For those of you who remember last year, we won that race, okay? Complete amateurs, beat a bunch of professionals, four of us in the mixed, so one lady, three guys, over 50 events, okay? Set the second fastest time in the history of the race. So fantastic effort. Then entered the World Time Trial, that made me eligible to enter the World Time Trial Championship. I won that. Okay, everybody else that entered that was close to me, professionals. Okay. As a consequence of that, my sponsors and my firm EY said, why don't you go in to do solo ram? Solo ram's considered the toughest sporting event in the world. You ride for anywhere from 21 to 23 hours a day, 
for no more than 12 days across the continental United States, irrespective of weather, on a single designated road, alone, no drafting. You have a crew to support you in a van, or three vans, but alone, okay? Not in a peloton, not like the Tour de France. So that's one third further than the Tour de France. Tour de France is 2,000 miles, this is 3,000 miles. Tour de France takes 21 days. We take no more than 12. I won't tell you how long I took, or even how you even finished. I want you to come to the 345 showing where we have all the pictures about that. Then entered as training, really, the, um, the California Triple Crown. That's the elite race series for ultra distance racing. It's 200 miles per race. Uh, one first, two second, one fourth, and subsequent to this, one other third uh, to become the California state champion at the first time of trying. So, and that's in all age groups. This is not age group discriminatory. So, not too bad. How do you do that? Purpose is the number one thing. You've got to have a reason to do it. But you've got to really carefully monitor what you eat. It's not so much the volume, it's when you eat it and what it is. So if you watch me eat, do not get your hands anywhere near my mouth. Because I eat a lot. So, 2,000 calories is what you're supposed to eat. Okay, roughly. Women, sorry, a little less. Guys, you can go to 2,200, not a problem. You'll maintain your body weight. Really hard in modern society. Okay, one McDonald's is 1,100 calories. You get to know food really well when you do this. Okay, I consume 6,000 calories a day, and my problem is keeping my body weight up. Yeah? So I consume three times the average, and I still lost or more than 50 pounds. Simply because when I eat, what I eat, how I eat, and how I train. Very important. It's all about glycemic loading. So now we're going to get into the science. You're in the wellness theater. So it's all about the balances of sugars, carbohydrates, and fats. It's actually, this new science is it's good to eat fat. Fat is good. Okay? Just how you eat it and when you eat it. So the secret is to eat proteins and fats immediately after you exercise. Okay, you can eat a thousand calories within 30 minutes of exercise, completion of exercise, is the same as eating 200 calories two hours later. Has the same glycemic load. So if you like food, you don't get to be 228 pounds unless you like food. If you like food, eat immediately after exercise, even though you don't want to. The body likes that. You know why? We used to chase after gazelle. We used to catch them and eat them right then. We've got millions of years of the human body learning that's the way to do it. Okay? And then we suddenly stop doing it. Very careful with dairy products. You can eat dairy immediately after exercising. But that's a problem. I love cheese. Love cheese. You can eat cheese while racing. You can eat cheese afterwards. 30 minutes later, hide the cheese. Okay? Bread and cheese about as bad as it can be after 30 minutes. But if you like bread and cheese, bread and cheese 30 minutes after exercise is okay. It's all about glycemic loading. 
before exercise, sugar is good. I'm a diabetic. I've got to watch it really carefully. Okay? No problem. I can eat almost anything I want if I time it correctly. Glycemic load, the science of glycemic loading is really what it's all about. That's how you lose weight. You've got to cut out the useless sugars, though. Sorry, alcohol is about as bad as it can get. Terrible, terrible, terrible sugar. Okay? And in fact, beer is almost better than wine. At least you get some carbs out of that. Okay? Balancing these things together, really important. Eat complex carbohydrates. Don't eat simple carbohydrates. So processed white bread, bad. Complex carbohydrates, potatoes, good. Again, timing, very important. You're going to use weight training to lean up, okay? But if you really want to lose weight, don't overcook that. Because muscle is 1.4 times the weight of fat. So one of the problems is people use a lot of weight training to lose weight, and their weight goes up. And they well, what happened? Well, it was good because you leaned up. Appreciate riding while eating. So here's one of the big scientific issues with riding ultra-distance races. You burn too many calories. So riding a bicycle burns about 600 calories an hour if you ride at a reasonable pace. The human body, in exercise, can only absorb 350 calories per hour, plus or minus 10%. Okay? So 600 out, 350 in. It's great science, right? You can eat whatever you want on a bike. Cheese sandwiches chocolate bars, doesn't matter because the body goes, it's gone. It will not absorb in the gut. It can only take about 350 calories. So I love chocolate. M&Ms are my chocolate of choice. So I will sit on the bike, hold my hand out, and my crew will come alongside with the van and hand a big hand of, of M&Ms. Eat them, absolutely no calorific value whatsoever, but they taste so good. It makes you feel great. And I'm not, losing, I'm not gaining any weight. How approaching a nutritionist? Okay, easy to say. You've got a professional coach like I have and a professional nutritionist like I have. They monitor my blood levels. They monitor every part of my physiology. They look at all my statistics every single day. Okay? It doesn't actually cost a lot of money, about $500 a month. If you're a serious athlete, that's not a huge amount of money. Okay? These people are amazing. They keep me on the bike. They make me fast. You've got to be disciplined. And technology helps with that. We've got some amazing technology today that can really help you with this. Such as training people. So here's some technology. It's hard to see. I'll walk you through a few of them. So we can't do anything without technology today. So this is Training Peaks. So this is my profile on Training Peaks. This measures every single exercise I do in real time. It feeds it back to my, my, um, my coach. I also have a power meter. So it's an accelerometer on my pedals on my bike. So what that does is it tells me how much energy I'm expending at any given moment on the bike, in real time, measured to tenths of a percent. This and this together tells my coach exactly how much energy I expend. Okay? 
I also use Strava. Anybody that's into racing knows this is very good for the brain. It's nowhere near as good as training peaks for actually understanding your efforts, if you like. Uh, but it's very good for comparing yourself against others. It's fun. Okay, it's fun to be competitive. Garmin Connect, same thing. If you're a serious racer, you can have a Garmin GPS device on your bike. That's going to collect all this data. And then most of us don't live in Southern California. I can ride 320 days of the year. But when you can't ride, you need an indoor training scenario. And the best one is Zwift. Train a road, some people like that. But Zwift is my favorite. That's an electronic game. Serious game. Most of the major professionals use Zwift. You race against each other. Well, you can't see that. You can just see it. There's actually another person there who's actually in Korea racing against me, and I'm in California at the same time. So clearly, he's out for a morning ride, and I'm out for an evening ride. Right? We're just racing one another in real time on a smart trainer. It, it reproduces the road as resistance. Okay? I just happen to use one for all tracks. There's lots of others. Without these tools, you can't really get good. Okay? So there's a lot of investment in tools. You've got to be pretty serious about this. But it's not really that much investment when you consider your health. Everything, everything I've spent on racing is less than one visit to the hospital. If you're really serious about your own health, both mental and physical, it might not be bike racing. It might be running. It might be something else. Okay? Buy the tools. Do the training. It's worth it. It makes you a better professional as well. Most of my team will tell you I'm much nicer to work for now than I used to be. Okay? I don't know if they're just saying that, so I stay out of the office more. Age. It's only two years left. So you need the tools. I talked about that deficit. So this is how you race across America. This is what it takes for one day of racing. So your outgoing is 12,600 calories. Your income is going to be 1,300 calories less than that, no matter what you do. No matter what you do. So you're going to be in deficit for 50% of the prescribed calorie intake for an American human. Okay? Just riding around. One of the biggest problems is weight loss. I only lost 9 pounds, and that's considered quite good. You have to remember, I was a really, really fit athlete. So losing nine pounds on 164 pounds at six feet tall while racing is challenging. And we'll finish with some pictures. So it's hard to tell. This is my first century ever. Already lost a little bit of weight, 210 pounds, 205 pounds. Start of RAM, 165 pounds, mostly muscle, less than 10% body fat, actually a little low to race RAM, okay, you want to be a little bit more. So, and there's some RAM pictures, you'll get a lot more of those later. So I really wanted to give plenty of time for questions, uh, how much time have I got? Three minutes, that's not plenty of time. Questions?
Yes, sir. Okay. So what you, the question was what you eat on the bike. So my nutritionist has a very prescribed plan. Okay. So boiled potatoes, small ones. Okay. Very good carb, complex carbohydrate. Racing bars, so bars made specifically for racing. And carbohydrates, sorry. So I use a mixture, but bonk bars. So bonk bars are sponsored of mine. So I'm going to say bonk bar, bonk bar, bonk bar, then Cliff and a few others. Yeah, okay. Um, and I like a variety, so I'll just eat a chocolate bar as well. Okay. Problem is variety. Every hour, on the hour, they linger. This is no joke. Okay. For those of you who remember Pavlov, my team has a little bell. They wind the window down. Okay. Come alongside hand me whatever my nutritionist said, and ring a bell. Every time I hear a bell now, I salivate, and I'm not kidding. It's just no joke. So, um, gels a little bit. I'm not a big gels fan, but uh, uh, chews, I'll eat chews. But most of my calories are actually coming from my liquid, so I'll use carbohydrate-infused liquids. That's how you get most of it, because your body can't absorb it. Those chocolates I'm eating have no calorific value whatsoever. They're more mental. Keep you happy. And you go, you're racing for 21, 22 hours, so you've got to clean your teeth as well on the bike. So I have a job. So I am one of the lowest time commitments for anybody that's completed RAM ever. So about 20 hours a week. Yeah. Which means, like last night, my flight got here at 1 a.m. and I went to the gym for two hours. That's what you got to do. If you've got a purpose, you'll do it. Yeah, I'm getting fat. I had too much for lunch. Yes, sir. Okay, so I haven't reached, so what's my purpose in 2018? I haven't yet reached $2 million for college math. When I reach $2 million for college map, I'll go try raise another $2 million. But um, I'm short. So I'm going to race again next year. Probably not RAM, but do some other racing uh, in order to try and get to the $2 million. I'm not there yet. Oh, that's a great question. What do you think about? So I have a Toronto, which is a communication device through to the crew. But it also plays music. So I have 900 songs on my telephone, and I know the words to everyone. Um, I mostly think about nothing. What is really amazing is that I don't think about work. And it's about the only breathing moment I don't. So it's great for mental health. I mostly think about nothing. Absolutely nothing. I went through Kansas with no recollection of anything. That's no flight on Kansas. It's just it's flat. You don't have to think very much. That's a great question. Well, thank you all. And hopefully I'll see some of you at 3.45 when we'll talk a little bit more about the race. This concludes the Cornet Global Podcast on Race Across America, Nutrition to Go the Distance. Want to record a What's Next podcast of your own? 
Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.